the United States of America is called a Christian nation. Christian nation. Christian nation. It's time for a moment of clarity with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Let us pray that this nation does come to a moment of clarity. Faith, faith, faith. Politics, 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 history, history, and current events. Current events. And now, your host, Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily. I'm Derek Stone with a moment on sports, part one. The Detroit Red Wings accumulated their fifth consecutive victory when they defeated the Calgary Flames 6-2 this past Sunday. Alex DeBrinket and Joe Valeno scored in the first half of the opening period. Dylan Larkin and DeBrinket lit the lamp 11 minutes and 33 seconds apart in the middle frame, and the Red Wings added a pair of goals in a 37-second stretch of the third period, which came off the sticks of Jake Wallman and Alex DeBrinket. Larkin, DeBrinket, David Perron, Daniel Sprong, and Ben Sherratt each tallied an assist, while Lucas Raymond and Justin Hole contributed a trio of helpers apiece to aid James Reimer, who recorded 29 saves between the pipes for Detroit. In curling news, the Midland Curling Center will be hosting a Learn to Curl event on Saturday, November 18th from 3 to 5 p.m. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. Yes, I'm back. Derek, don't go anywhere. I have a question for you. I have a sporting question for you. I think if you can answer this, you might be the only one in the world that can answer this. I don't think any other sports guru around could even come close to answering this, but I think you might be able to. What the hell happened to the Lions last week? (laughs) It looked like they didn't even practice. Uh, I'm... I'm baffled at the the effort that they gave. I, I didn't expect them to win going into a hostile environment like Baltimore, but the, I expected a much better effort. It, it just looked like they had maybe gotten a little bit too full of themselves. They were feeling too good about themselves after a 5-1 and one start. So may, maybe yeah. that had something to do with it. They might have needed a little bit of humbling. I think that may have been it, uh, you know, and going into it, they were considered by most prognosticators uh, were considered to be an underdog going into it. Like you said, you were expecting them going into that environment. Ravens had to prove something at home. They um, they were hungry for the win and uh, they have great fans there. Uh, and I think that Lions were appropriately put in as underdogs to win that game. But, man, they did not even come close to showing up. I think you hit it right. It's like they didn't practice. They got too full of themselves. So, yeah. All right. Well, maybe maybe they actually went to the practice field this past week and uh, maybe pushed some weights and ran, ran some exercises. Well, well let's hope. But uh, hello, folks. Pastor Richard Dietering here, sitting here in a quandary, wondering what happened to a lot of things in this world, not just the Lions. What's going on in this world? Uh, you know, I, I was thinking a lot recently. You know, this 
might not be a shock to some and might be say, why thinking about that now? Uh, I've been thinking about 1967 a lot lately. Um, there, I got everyone in, in my view here uh, sitting there rolling their eyes saying, what on earth? 1967. I want to remember the Six-Day War. Israel became and, and took and, and they were attacked by by Jordan, they were attacked by the Palestinians and everything, everyone surrounding them, and they, Israel won. And then uh, something surprising happened starting in 1970 and 71. All the hometowns of the Palestinians, the real hometowns, where the bulk of their land was in Jordan, King Hussein kicked them out, took over their land, said no. Go to Israel after they got things so messed up with Israel in the Six Day War, then they kick them out. You had in, in Jordan, you had refugee camps for the Palestinians. They put them in refugee camps because they did not let them stay in their homes. They put them in ghettos. No one wants the Palestinians, apparently. Even in their own home, where their home state is, Jordan, they kick them out. They don't want them anywhere. They don't want them up in Syria. They definitely don't want them in Lebanon. And Israel tried to try to do something. And part of, you want to know the two-state solution? Put, it, put Palestine back in Jordan, where they belong. I got some flack in my email saying, how could I... Support Israel over this. Israel, Israel, Israel. How can I support them? Because they're so brutal. We're going to be talking about this show. How brutal are they? And, you know, I've, I've spent quite a bit of time in Israel. And I have to tell you, I've sat down and I spoke to a lot of great people in Israel that were not Jewish. They were Muslim. And, and they were nice. And they all had one thing in common. As I sat down in their dining halls, as I sat down in their stores and talked to them, they all appreciated the government that Israel offered, the freedom that they had, that they did not have back in their original home areas, that they had a right to make a decent living. They had the right to live in a decent house. They loved living underneath the freedom that was offered to them by the Israeli government. So what's going on? We'll be talking about that. And joining me will be my co-host, Ed Bondarenka from your American Heritage. Oh, you remembered. Dude, I have a note on my screen covering your face that just says, insert your American Heritage here. <laughs> so, just using it to cover my face. That's all. Not to remember anything. There's a, there's a see, it serves multiple purposes. So how are you doing today, Ed? I'm fine. As you were talking about this, um, the other countries surrounding Israel not wanting to take in the Palestinians. I'm thinking about how the left loves to have immigrants come across our border until you try and put them in Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let them come on over. But, or, or New York uh, City. We'll, we'll, load a, we'll load them up in Texas. Oh, wait, you're, you're bringing them to New York? You're bringing them to... D.C.? D.C.? You're bringing them to Maine? You're bringing them to Massachusetts? You're bringing them... To Detroit? Wait, we don't want that. That's a step too far. We already <laughs> have enough liberal voters in those locales. We don't need any more. I want to, uh, I, mentioned, I mentioned, and this is going to take some time, and I don't mind sharing the time with this. I, I have a, a, 
an audio of a gentleman by the name of Mudar Sadran. Uh, he is speaking to the European Parliament. And he is very much, very much Palestinian. You'll get that from the take he's saying. And I want you to get uh, a non-Hamas view from a Palestinian dealing with Israel. We have that soundbite. Let's play it. When standing here in Brussels, I am in a safe spot. Basically, we, the Palestinian Jordanian people, the Palestinians are the chosen people of the European Parliament. People in the European Parliament love the Palestinians. They care for them. They dream about us in their sleep. How beautiful. They care about how we are oppressed by the evil Zionist Israelis, while, in fact, those evil Zionist Israelis are the ones giving us jobs. They are the ones giving us jobs when Lebanon bans us from all forms of jobs. When the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan, which occupied 78% of our homeland, prevents us from all kinds of jobs, the King of Jordan could come and present here and talk about peace and human rights, while Israeli politicians could get arrested for arriving at your airports. At the same time, we see not a single European member of parliament, not a single European politician speaking about the oppression of the Palestinians at the hands of the Hashemite Kingdom or the Palestinian authorities. On the other hand, your money, your tax, euros are financing the Palestinian police force which oppresses us, tortures us, and puts us in disappearance. This happens while you guys are obviously caring for us in good intentions, but your judgment is very cloudy. Unfortunately, most of you are seeking to destroy the very and only source of income and stability that we have, which is the Israel, Israeli Jewish state. That state offers, has offered us every hope there is in the last 70 years. We disagree with Israel on different issues. We have made several issues with Israel. Israel is not an angel, nor was Belgium an angel in Africa, nor was the United States an angel in Vietnam, nor was Jordan an angel as of today. You have to be fair and square to achieve justice. Justice is collective. You can't grant us justice by denying justice to our Jewish neighbors. They are our neighbors. Half a million Palestinians every single day cross the borders to work in Israeli settlements, in Israeli homes, in Israeli hospitals. They work there, achieving European standard payments versus the non-payments of the Palestinian Authority. Oslo has brought us all, everything that's evil, everything but happiness, and nothing but despair and disasters. At the same time, I can't see that the European Parliament, nor the European governments, understand that they are an accomplice, knowingly or unknowingly, to our disastrous situation by being against the only source of hope that we have. Why are you denying me and my people the right to live normally, the right to find jobs by supporting BDS? BDS means no jobs for us, no jobs for Israelis. And when the Israelis move out, and the companies move out? Do you sign our paychecks when we run out of jobs? No, you don't. 
And let me tell you something. The only people you sign paychecks to are the Palestinian Authority corrupts and criminals. Abbas and others. You need to know, you are singing a very old tune. Most of you, I understand, most of you are good people. But you are playing an old video. This game is over. Oslo is dead. We are telling you it's time to accept change. And it's time to embrace our Jewish friends, neighbors, brothers, and sisters. We are going that way. Most Palestinians cannot say publicly what I'm saying here. We want peace with Israel. We have had enough of this mythical lie of the conflict. So uh, Mudar Zaran is Palestinian, but he does point out the evil of the PLO. They're corrupt. He recognizes that. The only one who's benefiting from the money sent to them from by America or by the European Union or by anyone else is the PLO. And the Palestinians as a whole are starving. Guess what? The only place they can work, the only place they can get income is through working in Israel. And they can make a decent income. And yet it's the same PLO that's calling for for the... BDS, which is to basically boycott Israel and anything from Israel, which means you're taking money from the Palestinians that are actually making a living. Are you getting it? Most of the Hamas leaders, the head leaders of Hamas, guess where they're not? They're not in Gaza. Yeah, they have fighting forces there. Yes, they have their their lower officers there, but the heads of Hamas, they're not there. They're in Qatar. They're in Egypt. They're in Africa. They left. Do your homework. They sold they sold their real estate in Gaza. Their big homes, the head of the Hamas who had the biggest homes there, they sold them. They sold their cars. They vacated. And yet they hold hostages there. They hold Palestinians there. I'm saying it's Hamas doing this to be used as shields to hide their weapons, their rockets. And now there's even believing that there's use of cyanide gas weapons inside the tunnels. This is Hamas doing this. And they pretty much warn the people, no, you don't vacate. Why? Because they want the human shields as the leaders of Hamas vacate. So as you put up your signs and your posters and all your stuff, loving the PLO and loving the Palestinian movement of Hamas. Let me inform you, you've been lied to and you believed it and you're wrong for believing it. Almost said something very unchristian there, Ed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> about people who believe that. I almost, I I had to catch myself. This is what we're facing. You just heard from Udar Saran. By the way, he's a Jordanian-Palestinian who's fighting against the the Jordanian corruption of, of how they treat the Palestinians there. He realizes where his home should be where 78% of the Palestinian land was from, Jordan. Israel would love peace with the Palestinians, but it's never been on, on movements like Hamas and Hezbollah, it has never been their intention 
to talk about peace or a two-state union. Their only intention is the destruction of Israel. And we have those over here that are willing to jump on board and saying, well, because they killed Jesus, the Jews need to die. Folks, let me tell you, it wasn't just the Jews involved in the death of Jesus on that cross. It wasn't just the Romans. I read the Bible and it tells me that Jesus had to go on that cross for my sins and your sins. We put him there. But we like to self-justify and blame somebody else. It's not our fault that Jesus had to die on the cross. No, we're good people. It's those evil Jews. Get over yourself. Jesus had to come to this world and die for the sins of mankind. That includes you. The white Anglo-Saxon Protestant or the white Roman Catholic or the white liberal whether you want to accept him or not, he died for you. We try to blame the problems of the whole world on, on a small population, on a country that's smaller than Lake Michigan. We want to blame the whole world's problems on. When we should be looking at ourselves and our government, we should be looking at people like Joe Biden and the liberals in this country. What have they done to this nation? You want a problem, know the problem with this world? is humanism. It's not the Jewish nation. The Jewish nation is just trying to survive. And we have a group of people that says, hey, we will say, okay, let's talk about peace. But peace to them means elimination of that whole Jewish nation, the whole Israeli nation. Get over yourself. Got Joe on the phone. Hey, Joe, how's it going? Hey, yeah. Also, that... Only does Israel supply the jobs. They supply the water and electricity to Gaza that they now complain has been cut off because they attacked the people who were supplying them the water and the electricity. It's just dumb. As you've said before, five times the Arabs rejected a two-state solution. For 17 years, there has been a ceasefire fire like you're claiming you want until you attack Israel. For 17 years, there has been a free state of Gaza, more or less, and self-governance. You elected Hamas terrorists who then immediately suspended all future elections dictatorially. Meanwhile, in Israel, Muslims Christians, Jews, all live, work together, and vote together, and serve together in the Israeli government. Do you see a Christian or a Jew in any Gaza or Lebanon government? Good point. Thanks a lot. Yeah, and, you know, the Hamas charter spells it out just like Hitler did in Mein Kampf. There's no denying it. It's right there. And you you talk to these people, rape, murder, kidnapping of civilians. It happened. Uh, They forced their victims to give them phones to put it on their own social media. They didn't attack one military site in Israel. Hey, Joe. Yeah. I need to take a breath here because I had to hang up on you because someone much more important than you is on the phone. I only say that because, well, you'll find out. Uh, Gaylene, how are you doing? 
Hello. Hi. You know, as you were kind of going through your list about who sin put Jesus on the cross and who he came to save, you kept saying white people, white white Anglo-Saxons, white Protestants. We got to understand Jesus came for everybody. Brown, yellow, red, all of us. He died for everyone. I I know you know that, but you you just have to say it. All right. He died for everyone. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Because you, you cannot be on the record just saying that he died for white people because we no, know my, that's my, not true. My, my point is we, we're getting a lot of attack from the from the white liberal and some of the that white liberal churches that uh, it was I the guess. Jews that put, put on the cross. And no, they did. You know, and Jesus I, died for all did. of us, and, Ed, and, and it wasn't Ed, just just Ed, the yeah. Jews that put in there. You're a hundred percent right. Yep, it was more Ed than all anyone, right. though. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm going to say Paul was a sinner greater than I, and he said so himself. So I'll just stick with that. All right. Well, there you, you know, there you you, you've improved right. on it, Ed. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, guys, I'm in a really bad area, so I'm going to let you go. All right. Yeah, it's... Uh, See you, Gaylin. So will a two-stage solution work? Well, they've offered it. Not so far. Israel's offered it. Yeah, but I'm saying it started out with a two-state position, as you were, you were alluding to earlier. You know, Transjordan was supposed to be the Palestinian homeland. Yeah. And uh, King Hussein said, yeah, I don't think so. I kind of like it over here. And uh, no, we'll just keep them in camps on the border where they can fester as the PLO and, uh, you know, Yasser Arafat can gain political power and then we can go to Munich and uh, a peaceful uh, Olympic village and massacre, you know, unarmed uh, athletes who are there to, you know, participate in games that are supposed to promote world peace. No, there was a, a PLO incursion into Munich the Olympic Village, the same way there was into into uh, Israel, only on a larger scale. I uh, one of one of the uh, people that emailed me, which is kind of fueled why I continue this conversation today. Asked me, do I do I hate the Palestinians? Why why don't I worry about them? I do. And the cutting off the water and the cutting off of electricity. I have to say, say Israel did their part of saying, hey, vacate. We're going to come in and destroy the infrastructure of Hamas. Vacate. Get out. We have to do this. For, for us to be able to make sure that Hamas does not do this to us again, we've got to destroy them. Vacate. They put out flyers, I mean, dump millions of flyers overhead. They, they've given all sorts of warnings. Get out. They I tend to believe. To. I tend to believe that uh, Gaza has a representative government. That the government of of Gaza represents their citizenry because basically they've killed anybody that disagreed with them. So that leaves just people who agree with them. That being said, then anybody who agrees with what Hamas has done in Gaza is a uh, a target for retribution for what their government did. Yeah, the the uh, gentleman whose video I played, I'll tell you what happened to him in a bit. I hear music in the background. Do I hear music? I do. Folks, we'll be back after these messages.
More with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering on Wham. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily. I'm Derek Stone with another moment on sports. The Detroit Pistons registered their first victory of the season when they defeated the Charlotte Hornets 111-99 last night. Alec Burks tallied 11 of his 24 points at the free throw line. Jaden Ivey nailed 8 shots to total 18 points. Isaiah Stewart drained 6 field goals and a free throw that yielded 15 points. Jalen Duran accumulated 7 successful shots, 14 points, and 17 rebounds. Marvin Bagley buried 5 field goals and 4 free throws to record 14 points. And Cade Cunningham amassed 12 points and 6 assists. Detroit outscored Charlotte by 9 at the 3-point line and 6 in the paint, plus the Pistons out-rebounded the Hornets by 11. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. That's right, that's right, I'm sad and blue, because I can't do the boogaloo. I'm lost, I'm lost, can't do my thing, and that's why I sing. Give me, give me that thing. Silent breed is people! we got to stop them somehow. we got to stop them somehow. Yes, absolutely. Hey, speaking of important people that rate higher than Ed, um, Sherry's on the phone. I'm sorry. <laughs> the wives are more important than either of us. And Ed, that's just a matter of fact. You have to agree with that. If not, <laughs> I don't want to be you in about 10 seconds. <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, he's important Hi. in my life. Hi, guys. Hi, Sherry. <laughs> yes, dear. <laughs> I have a comment. I listened to a couple of rabbis that fill in for somebody else when he's out. And prior to hearing anything about ceasefire, the one rabbi said, just wait. The first time you hear somebody say something about ceasefire, ceasefire will know who it is that wants to kill all the Jews. And the first people we heard came right out of our government, and they happened to be the Muslims that serve in our government. And now, Ed told me this morning, the United Nations are saying the same Thing. So it's coming from us, not just the Muslims. Oh, yeah. As, as uh, Mudar Zahran tried to point out to the European Parliament, they, they, think, they think they're doing what is right in their own. They, they think, but they're acting on very little information. They are reacting to what they believe is right rather than doing homework and finding out what's right. And, and you have, you have a situation, Sherry, where people are told day in and day out, the Jews own Hollywood, the Jews own the banks, the Jews own the diamonds. You know what? So what if they did, they don't know as much as people say, I, I, I've got a lot of Jewish friends and guess what? They all have less money than me. Go figure. <laughs> they don't they don't own the banks. They don't own some do, but it's not the Jewish state that does. Um no. and even if they did, if we believe truly in in uh, a capitalist type of government, who cares what's in their pocket? Let's just be strong stewards of what we have in our own, right? 
Right. I had, uh, well, he's with the Lord now, a very, very special Jewish friend in my life and in Ed's. And um, he would do anything for you, and he did everything he could for me, including taking care of my son when I needed, before I met Ed. He took care of my son like a dad because my son's dad wasn't around. And he was a wonderful man, and he loved the Lord, and he listened to his wife, who was a Christian. <laughs> he went to Bible study with her. So. Well, they it are sounds like what, was he messianic? They're God's people, and they're important. Yep, thank you for your call. appreciate it, as always. Okay, have a great um, day. <laughs> yep. I uh, was talking about I, I was overwhelmingly surprised on the, the amount of my friends after last week's show emailed me conservatives and based on the idea that how shocked I was, the number of conservatives that were applauding this anti-Semite guy who admits he, he hates Jews, fabricated history, refabricated, redesigned history, redesigned the scriptures, quoted God as saying things God never said. Uh, out of his hate of Israel, and then people who read their Bible, who have some sense of, uh, well, I'll just say some sense of propriety in their in their view of end times, and yet they're willing to sacrifice that out of hatred. And I, I know where the hatred comes from. My question is, is how are Bible-believing Christians allowing this hatred to penetrate their heart. I don't know. I was saying before the break, I don't hate the Palestinians. I I, I would love to sit down with Mudar Zaran and talk to him. I've spoken, as I said in Israel, many times with, with, with Muslims and Arabs and Palestinians, and they enjoy the freedom that they're facing. They're not in... Uh, Agreement with what groups like Hamas and Hezbollah are doing. They're, they're just not. They're saying they're hurting things. They're doing more harm than good. And their fear is if, if Hamas and Hezbollah wins, that if they kick Israel out, that it's going to become another Iran. No freedoms. Every woman wearing her goblin suit. No right to be Christian. No right to be Jew. You know, you can be a Christian in Israel. No right to be moderate Muslim. No right to be moderate Muslim. I was going to say, uh, Mudar is not welcome in Jordan. He'll be arrested anymore. He's from Jordan and he can't go back. He's got warrants for his arrest because of what he said. Not anything he did, but what he said and wrote down. He's got four warrants for his arrest. All right? Because he opposes the, the current government. Are we that far off here in this country of being arrested for writing down or saying what we think and be called uh, traitors or be called? Uh, that's treasonous? happened already. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, we're there. Yeah. All right. So. I think that took a lot of a lot of courage for this Palestinian man to go speak to the European parliament to say what he said, said you're misguided. I worry about the. The Palestinians there. But I'm not going to blame the wrong people. 
7,000 rockets launched on Israel. Folks, if 7,000 missiles was launched on this country, which one of you would not be saying, turn whatever country just launched 7,000 missiles on us, turn that country into glass? Who would not be saying that? Who wasn't saying that on 9-11 when they drove two airplanes into the towers? You know who would be not saying that? Would be these idiots who are still, I support Palestine, and they're Jews who support Palestine. Those people. They're leftist idiots. If those missiles hit us, you would see Congress out on the front steps singing hymns to God. Hey, that happened, right? It did. (laughs) And they'd say, you know, retaliate, fight back, do whatever it takes. Everyone was saying that. For a short time, everybody in this country was conservative. (laughs) For a (laughs) short time. After that attack, if that attack was against this country, 7,000 missiles launched against this country, regardless if we shot them down or not, if they launched against this country, 7,000 missiles would be saying attack. What are you saying right now when we just found out that Iran is targeting and killing U.S. soldiers? There's a cry for retaliation, as there should be. But when Israel does it, I remember back during the first Gulf War when the very first missiles came through and they hit Tel Aviv. Our president was on the phone with the, with, uh, the prime minister of Israel saying, don't retaliate. What other country is ever told not to retaliate after their attack except for Israel? For some reason, we don't recognize the right for that one state to defend itself. Any other country in the world, any other country in the world, would be right to do so. And that yet you anti-Semites say, no, they shouldn't be retaliating. You're disgusting. So there. Ed, <laughs> save me here. Call me down. Bring me down a bit. <laughs> say no, something no, no, to make is... me feel better about all this. Uh, all I have to add is that I think that Hamas is the plural of Haman. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how many of our audience will get that, but. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I kind of like that. I mean, I don't like it because it's actually true. You know, I yeah, mean, if you remember in the is, but true that the, the comparison can be made. You know, I, I mentioned on my show a few weeks back that I'd been hearing a lot of references to the book of Esther. All these guys were, were preaching about Mordecai and, and Esther and the phrase for such a time as this was coming up and it wasn't even Purim, I don't believe. And it just, it was akin to being in a science fiction movie, you know, like you pass the TV shop or the radio shop and they're all playing the same thing. You say, I better pay attention to this. And, um, you know, for one thing, I think that having uh, Mike Johnson come in as speaker right now, who is pro-Israel, is for such a time as this. But if you remember, you remember, of course, but reminding people that the story of Esther had a character named Heyman, H-A-M-A-N. Who wanted to? Hmm. Yeah, this the singular of of Hamas of Hamas, I believe, and so it got to the point where he wanted to in Persia eradicate all of the Jews, the entire Jewish nation, and um, he almost got away with it too. Except he didn't reckon that Esther, who had become the favorite and the queen of the king of Persia, was secretly a Jew, and she courageously announced that to the king and. 
then of course, uh, that's a great story. Hey, yeah. and the, the end of that story is saying the king said, all right, I already decreed that this is going to happen, but I'm not going to ask them not to retaliate. I'm going to give them permission to retaliate. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. It's okay. If they attack you, you can retaliate, right? Yeah. So even you know, it's, even this pagan Persian king could see the right of Israel being able to defend itself. It's no fun shooting fish in a barrel when the fish can shoot back. That's right. So it's... Uh, now, I, I do want to stipulate something, and I want to make this because I was accused of something else by, by my email friends. I firmly believe, and it is in my heart that I firmly believe, that there's only one way into heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. I believe that. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, well, you've, you've missed the way. But to go with the quote where I said last week, the promise to Abraham was a national promise that Israel in the end times has a national promise that will be fulfilled. And we're asked to pray for blessings upon that nation. And we should. We should also take the time to share the gospel for with anyone who's willing to hear it, whether they're Jew or Gentile. In my wife's case, whether they want to or not. Whether they want to <laughs> or not, right. You have the right to listen to my urging you to get saved. <laughs> yeah. What you do with that message afterwards, well, that's between you and God. And yes, I do believe that a Jew to go into heaven has to accept Messiah, has to accept Mashiach. This does not in any way disparage the national promise given to Israel. I'm not behind Israel because of end time prophecy. I'm behind Israel because of old time, an old time request by my father and God to ask for blessing. If I did not have my eschatological view of end times, if I was not, if I if I was not pre-trib, pre-mill, and everything that comes along with that, I would still have to believe that I'd have to pray for a blessing for the nation of Israel, because the end time, the end time prophecies do not reflect or are not um, conditional on that one praise for Israel that we pray for blessings for them. You might be jealous. You may not like what they have. You may not like what they own. You may not like their prosperity. I think that the prosperity, even in times when they are hated by the world, that God still offers them prosperity should say something. I like to look at the Jewish nation as us as an individual, that even when we live in a way that's not right, when our relationship finally turns right with God, regardless of who we were in the past, that he's made a promise to us and we can find our hope in him. In the, in the book of Ephesians, in that wonderful letter of Ephesians, Paul talks to the Gentiles. He said, you once were in a position where you didn't have Messiah. You didn't have God. You had nothing spiritual going for you. He basically called them 
if you translate it, he basically called them foreskin. You're a useless, wasteful piece of flesh that serves no purpose. That's who they were. But when we are in Christ Jesus, we all of a sudden have value. We are now adopted into the family of Abraham. Adopted. We don't replace anyone. We're adopted into it. We're adopted into the family of Abraham. We're adopted into God's family. He adopts us. God adopts us as his children when we are in Jesus Christ. He chooses us. And he says in that same letter, then he brings us into the fold with Israel. I think that's beautiful. I think that's absolutely beautiful. Well, yes, it is. And, you know, a a lot of people... Their position on Israel can be based on their theological viewpoint of Israel. And we've talked about it before. Uh, Replacement theology versus uh, an eschatology that shows that there will be a a political revival, a a kingdom of Israel reborn that people denied would happen for so long. And so the fact that Israel is now a political entity again since 1948 after a couple thousand years of there being no Israel. That's kind of miraculous. That really never happened before. And so if if you don't recognize that as a prophetic fulfillment, then, geez, what do you think of the rest of the Bible's prophetic fulfillments? And yet there are people who, oh, it's just a country. It just happened. I'm not saying that makes Israel the good guys in everything. But boy, if God thought enough to bring them back, and he thinks he has a purpose for them being here, just like we like to think God has a purpose for us being here as America, then maybe we should support his purpose of having Israel back and not allow them to be uh, swept off the face of the earth. Because frankly, they won't be swept off the face of the earth. And anybody who stands in there not being swept off the face of the earth uh, is going to suffer damage. I, I did I did last week, and I wanted to make sure I had time to do this, um, where you're talking about uh, the Latin word for rapture. And, and originally said it was the Greek, and I came through and uh, gave the Greek word. And actually, I gave a Greek word that was on, <laughs> it was on my mind, and it was the wrong one. And I have to admit it when I was... Uh, we know that. Um, so, so the word for... And, and, Thessalonians that we see for rapture is harpazo, and it means to be snatched up. Same thing that rapture mm-hmm. means Latin. to be caught up. Yeah, be caught up. The idea is being snatched up quickly. I mean, it's just not just like getting caught up in something. You're literally physically snatched up. It's a harpazo, and this is where we get our whole concept of the rapture. Now, people say, well, you don't see the word rapture in the Bible. Well, you you don't see any English word in the original Greek, all right, <laughs> or in the original Hebrew, all right? We, we, we insert words that mean what they're laying out. Um, but the rapture, I believe that word, harpazo, is there for a reason, that we are snatched up. We see it. We also see different prophecies of the second coming of Christ, where he actually lands on this earth, puts his feet on the ground on Mount of Olives. That's going to be the beginning of the millennium. That happens. Mm-hmm. And we'll be alongside him, the ones who are caught up. But 
I would go as far as even if I take my theology out of this, if I take my view of being asked to put a blessing over to Israel, if I actually did my homework, I would ask this one question. When we have Iran funding terrorism, trying to wipe out a nation, does that nation have the right to fight back? When you have the United Nations trying to totally dismember you and push you into the ocean, should would I as a country trust the United Nations? The answer is no. The United Nations is no better, is no better. Get this, the United Nations, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to get flack for this. The United Nations and the anti-Semites out there are no better than the Nazis. And you can deny the Holocaust, but I'm telling you what happened, and you're no better than what they were. If you want to say this, you're no better than what they were accused of. It happened, but even if you want to deny that, you're no better. Ed. When you go to UN.org, of course, that's the UN's website, and you look up the uh, Israeli-Palestinian conflict, you will find all these atrocities that uh, they claim were uh, performed by Israel against the Palestinians, but you don't find any references to the atrocities that the Palestinians, you know, uh, committed towards the Israelis. That that tells you a lot, right there. I've I've said for a long time we needed to kick the UN out of New York. I saw a cartoon this morning that showed a Palestinian militant grabbing uh, an older woman with a tattoo on her arm, obviously a, a Holocaust survivor, being pulled away from a Nazi stormtrooper. And the Hamas guy says to the stormtrooper, don't worry, we've got it. We'll take it from here. Yeah, I think it's accurate. So um, I don't I don't think that. Well, next week, next week, uh, Ed, you've got my show next week because I am going to be out of town. We're actually going to talk to. Tim Munger, who is the president of Friends of Israel. So that'll be interesting. Oh, good. I, I will try. That one I'm, I'm willing to try to listen to. <laughs> there you go. I, I will try to listen to my own show just for Mr. Munger. Um, we'll do that. And, of course, we will. I still expect curling news at the top of the, at the, top of the hour. And, and Well, if there is any out there. I am impressed with you, Derek, that you can find curling news each and every week. I mean, I find it. I'm surprised anyone else is able to find it. It's out there. Curling. Where Where is that you, you, in your curling news? You're talking about a camp where they're going to teach you how to play curling. Where is that at? It's up in Midland. On oh. No, yep, November 18th. It's drivable. Folks, go and learn how to throw a stone. Ye without ice. <laughs> throw don't throw it. <laughs> you need ice to throw a stone. All right. Uh, go learn how to curl. You'll find out why I love it so much. It is. It's the closest thing I can come to is fun that I can think of other than getting married. On that note, you folks have a blessed week. And uh, hey, we'll catch you next week on a moment of clarity. been listening to a moment of clarity on wham talk 1600 with your host pastor richard dietering be sure to tune in again next week right here on wham radio 